Create an Unstoppable Life, episode 181. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Friends, it is fun to think about you. Think about like, where are you in the world? What are you experiencing? What joys? What challenges? What's challenging to you? Like, where is life pushing back against you? That's what a whole life looks like. That's what my life looks like. I'm kicking ass in some ways, and I'm getting my ass kicked in other ways. (laughs) And most of the ways, it's the unnecessary suffering, the want for certainty, the want for something I do not have. A whole life, a real life. That means joy and persevering and overcoming and sometimes being overcome by. And it's why we are more successful traveling together, (laughs) traveling with others on this beautiful journey to remind us, stay focused, get comfortable with uncertainty. It's all going to work out beautifully. Before we go into today's episode, a joyful update. We are entering the contract phase for Emerge Stronger the most beautiful conference experience for women and physicians and dentists, February 29th through March 3rd in San Antonio. So block your calendar now. It's going to be extraordinary. The name is intentional. You will emerge stronger no matter where you're starting from. Today, we are talking about a triad. And it's a triad. It's a pattern. It's These are habits that we do as high achievers. We practice without realizing it. And we're going to use the acronym SOF. S-O-F. See, own, fix. It's that simple. We see a problem. I'm actually just kidding myself. We see so many problems. But for this conversation, we're going to talk about one. We see a problem and then we own the responsibility to do something about it and we spend time and energy to fix it. One, two, three. See, own, fix. As a problem solver, it makes total sense. Like we like to solve problems. We're good at it. We like to stretch ourselves and see how many things we can make happen, how much we can take on and be successful. One more thing, one more thing, one more thing. See, own, fix. And see isn't limited to just what we see. It's also people bringing problems to us because when you're a problem solver and you're good at it, that's what happens. People bring more problems, bring more awareness to problems. And usually it kicks in. Then we own it and then we work to fix it. So to be clear, C doesn't mean we necessarily characterize something as a problem. It may be a feeling like things just aren't quite right. A feeling that, hmm, this could be better. It may be a feeling that it doesn't have to be this way. Or it may touch on injustice. It isn't fair or it's wrong. So C refers to our attention being successfully captured and diverted. (laughs) Tony Robbins says, What's wrong is always available. We have to train our minds to look for what's right. In the course of a day, just think about an average day. How many things do you notice? Like, do you stop and have awareness of because they are working well, they're going well, people are served well, the process is smooth versus how many things do you see that are broken in disrepair, they're stalled, they're dysfunctional. As people who notice problems and have a penchant for solving problems, I'm going to guess that you see more things that are wrong than right. And it's a habit. And our brain has really been rewarded. It's like it's activated when we see something wrong, 
when we see a problem, now we are activated. And that moves on to owning and trying to fix. If you're a physician or you work in medicine, this is the triad that we live by. We see or hear a problem. We own it. It is mine to fix. I have the responsibility. And then we work to fix it. And sometimes we work harder than the patient does. Like if we could take the pill for them every single day, we totally would. If we could do the exercise and it would count for them, we totally would. If we could consume the proper nutrition and avoid the things that are harming them or harming their health, we would. (laughs) We work hard. We don't want others to suffer, especially from problems that are easy to solve, but we can't. And we can't own everything. This is all happening at various levels. Sometimes it's very overt and sometimes it's incredibly subtle. Like many of us don't even notice because we're not aware of all the inputs in the brain and how many problems we're focused on trying to solve in this moment and all the injustices that we're trying to correct for. So it may be you just feel tired or you notice your energy's low or you don't have a lot of bandwidth or you simply don't feel good. That may be clues to your mind in the see, own, fix in so many different ways. Lori and I were talking with Dr. Shika Jane yesterday for the Trailblazers Changing Medicine podcast, and she offered a framework that she uses for choosing where her time and her energy goes. And she's a leader in an academic institution. So she does this among her leadership team. And this is how they focus their time and their energy. They ask, is it a problem or an annoyance? And they, they have clear definitions for a problem versus an annoyance. And then they look at who does it affect and what is it causing? The next step, what is the impact of solving it? Because they want to know, is it a tiny impact or huge? That's going to help decide, do we spend time and energy here? And if so, how much? And then finally, is this something to take on? And if so, what resources are available and who is the best to lead this? So you notice how they get out of the see, own, fix. They have awareness. They have a process to decide if they're going to take it on and own it, or if it needs to be solved, who the best person is to do it, if it's not them. So Craig tutors elementary students in math and English, and he teaches them that there's a process, there's a framework. You don't have to make things up for every single math problem because that's what they do. They just default to make up something to get an answer so that they can move on. And they guess and see what happens. And they're often wrong. Somehow that's easier than using a framework and doing the same thing every time, like solving the problem with a solid foundation and actually getting the right answer. He has to tell them over and over. It's simple. Use the framework every time. Don't guess. Don't try to be smarter or faster than the framework. Just use it and allow yourself to be right. And you know what? We all can use the framework that Shika offers and we can be respectful of our time and our energy and we can be respectful to all the commitments we've made to ourselves and others. We could even, just travel with me on this one, we can even feel a little lighter, walk a little taller knowing that we are focused and we're committed and things are getting done. So is it a problem or an annoyance? You know, answering this question for yourself, it means you have to define which each one is. What is a problem? What is an annoyance? And then based on your definition, you get to decide what category it fits in. An annoyance is something to just move beyond. Put it on a list. If 
all of your problems are solved. You may get to it someday. But a real problem, that's where you can move forward with the framework. And look at who does it affect? Is it just you? Is it your family, your patients, your work colleagues, your business, your institution? And what is this problem causing? So let's say you're at Meals on Wheels and they don't have enough staff to prepare and deliver food. That's a problem. That impacts all the people that they serve, which may be tens of people or hundreds of people. They're either going to go without food or without the most helpful nutrition that their body needs. Let's say you work at a hospital that doesn't have enough staff for both the cafeteria and to make food and deliver the food to patients. It's a big deal. That's a problem. It impacts all the staff who rely on the cafeteria. And many, at least in my hospital, work 12-hour shifts, and so they're relying on one or two meals during that day. That's a problem. That has an impact. And it impacts our staff, which means it impacts our patient care. So now that we have the scope of the problem and seeing the bigger picture for it, we can either have more fuel to move on in the framework or to stall out because we see the impact's not that big, who's affected, it's not that high, it's not our most important priority, and we can just let things be. So think about how often you see little things and the mind makes them out to be really big things. Like there's no ice cream in the freezer for dessert. And then immediately act on it. Must go to the store right now. Drop everything I'm doing because this is a problem. Except maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's simply an annoyance. Maybe life doesn't have to stop or pause in this moment. If I just missed a call from my son, I could stop everything I'm doing and immediately try to call him back saying, this is a huge problem. I don't know what's happening. Or I can just use the framework and say, it's an annoyance and reassure myself he'll call back when he's ready or he'll message if it's important. Using the framework allows you to see or to do something with all of the inputs. Rather than have frenetic energy, you can have calm energy and you can stay focused. I have to, I must, I can't let this happen for the smallest things versus things can wait and people can wait and it's just not a problem. You know, we talked about this in the brain space episode, and I talked about how people have opinions and some will be unhappy in the leadership episode. What we're doing, what we're talking about is refining our brain's function to truly separate out what's important from what's not before having an emotional response, before quitting everything, saying, I must stop everything right now and focus on something else. Instead, we can stay focused. We don't have to get emotionally charged and emotionally entangled in a new problem, a new annoyance that is coming up. Refining our brain with another framework and using a framework each time, discerning out problem or annoyance and letting it be that simple. So instead of jumping in the car and speeding off and then at some point asking where we're going, what are we doing? Asking those questions beforehand thinking intentionally, where are we going? Why are we going there? What's the impact of it? What resources do we have? Are we the best ones to go? And when does this need attention? Does it need immediate attention? Or is this something that can wait? And that's a very different story, right? That immediate, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go versus why? Why do we have to go? Where are we going? Asking those questions. It saves our brain space. 
I get it. Like we love when our minds jump into action, but an unstoppable life isn't about jumping from stimulus to stimulus. Like every time our mind gets an idea or identifies a problem that we move on, because that means we leave a whole trail of unfinished things along the way. And it's exhausting. An unstoppable life is boring at times because we're putting in the reps every day. We're using frameworks and foundations and intentional ways of categorizing stimulus, annoyance, or problem. Impact of solving the problem, like we're really thinking about it rather than jumping in and trying to fix everything that looks like it could possibly need to be fixed. These days I solve problems with less effort and less of the time it's me actually solving the problem and it feels too easy. Like I've had to retrain my mind. It used to be I have to work really hard and I have to be exhausted and then I have done good work. And now I realize, you know, easy solutions are still quality solutions. In fact, they're better solutions. I don't have to be exhausted to say I've done a good job or I've contributed. And most of the time, the best answers are going to come from someone else, like those with expertise. I was recently asked on a patient, Hey, Dr. George, I read in UpToDate that this dose of Kcentra is better than this other dose for a GI bleed. I don't know. Please call the pharmacist. They're going to be most familiar with that medication, the reason we're using it, and the dose that will be most effective. Dr. George, there's an order from the cardiologist to start this medication. Do you want the first dose now? I don't know. Please call the cardiologist and see what they want. Dr. George, this specialist said the patient can go home. Will you be writing the discharge order now? I don't know. I'll see them soon, review the chart, go see them in person, and then decide, do they have everything they need to go home safely? So here's the framework. GI bleed needing Kcentra. Big problem. Serious consequences if their home blood thinner isn't reversed soon. Needs to be solved now to decrease the amount of bleeding. And our resource is the pharmacist. The order from the cardiologist on a new medication, small problem. The impact depends on the medication and reason for using it. It may delay improvement in their symptoms or prolong their hospitalization. It needs to be clarified right now. And the resource, that's the cardiologist. Specialist said patient can go home. This is not a problem. This can be solved later. I can move the patient up on my rounding list, make them a priority, and then see them. Decide. See what's missing. Go from there. The framework keeps the drama out, and it keeps me focused and clear on what needs my attention and what doesn't. I'm not running around saying the sky is falling, which each new thing, when somebody enters my orbit or when they want to pass on a problem, I'm very intentional about deciding when, where, who, how, whatever decision needs to be made without becoming emotionally exhausted. And what it does, using the framework, it empowers others to a better resource. It empowers them to answer their own questions, to take responsibility and ownership rather than give it all to me. So here's the framework again. Is it a problem or an annoyance? Who does it affect? What is it causing? What is the impact of solving it? If this is something to take on, what resources are available and who is the best to lead? See, own, fix is the triad we've been talking about. What would your life be like if you exited that triad? Like if it was no longer part of your existence? 
What changes with your energy? What changes with your time and how you spend time? What can you do instead? So if you want a triad to substitute, like an exchange, consider this one. C, become curious and put it through the framework. Get back to what's important. So that's the SBG. C, become curious and put it through the framework. Get back to what's important. Living your best life, it requires frameworks and boundaries and permission to say no when your mind finds yet another problem or characterizes, categorizes something as a problem. Because there's only one you and you have a three-dimensional life. There's one you with a finite amount of attention and energy. There's one you with other humans that care about you, that you care about, to consider and share your time and energy with. One you. C, become curious and take the framework out, use it, and then return to what's important. Moving on slightly, maybe there's connection, I'm not sure. (laughs) I had an interesting experience in the hospital. I admitted a chronically ill patient. They were very sick, like life-threatening sick and needed the ICU, and I called their medical power of attorney, who was also a family member, their family member. And it was interesting. Like immediately as they answered the phone, the words, the tone that they used conveyed the message, this isn't our first rodeo and you aren't telling me anything new. And it was fascinating. It was like they were fully armored and I was simply an irritation. (laughs) This is my interpretation. And it was fascinating. The call wasn't for me. It was for them. Like I didn't need anything from them. I didn't want anything for them. Everything that I needed or wanted, I had that. I simply was calling to share concerns so that they could make decisions. If they were called on to make decisions, they would have the information they needed. And some of the decisions they would probably make, do I come to the hospital or not? Do I start praying? Do I seek spiritual support for the patient? Do I need to think about code status? because they're really sick. So I think the best term to describe what I was feeling from them, it was defensiveness. They had a wall of protection all around them to keep them safe. And they were telling me there is no threat here, even before hearing what was happening, except there was a threat and there were new things. And things like this that were happening right now were not happening in the past because I did the research I wanted to share with them what's different based on the last hospitalization or the one before that. And so I shared one piece of information at a time, and it was interesting. It's like the walls, they either came down or they fell down, like they failed, and their voice was different. They didn't know everything. They asked different questions. Like they started asking questions. They asked different questions. And there was a sense that this might be their first rodeo. And it's not looking good. In the end, they sounded vulnerable and scared, which were likely unfamiliar emotions. So in the span of just a few minutes, the conversation was completely different. It started defensive. You can't tell me anything new. And it ended to, what do I need to know? And what are our options? I talk with a lot of families and God has blessed me with a voice that generally disarms. In fact, it usually immediately disarms. Like before somebody has a chance to say something, they express in terms of their body posture and their tone that they feel safe. 
So most family members feel safe. Most patients feel safe. They speak to me in a caring way. And that's just by how I walk into the room and introduce myself and the role that I'll be playing that day. This experience has helped me think about how often do I treat people (laughs) with a sense of, it's not my first rodeo and you are not telling me anything new. I got this. (laughs) How often do I present myself and the defenses all around me? And the answer is probably pretty often. Less so these days, but probably still pretty often. Rather than approaching life with a sense of tenderness and openness. Rather than allowing myself to feel vulnerable. Allowing myself to be in a place that I don't have all the answers and I am not in control. I don't remember if I shared this before. When I was in Iraq in the green zone, there was this building that was transformed into a rec center and it had yoga and some gym equipment and there was a pool. I'm calling it a building, but it was like a thin walled aluminum structure that offered no protection in the event of an incoming rocket. And there I was with a buddy one day standing by the pool and the big voice goes off, the big voice in the sky that announces incoming rockets. You know, many areas of the green zone, there were these cement structures called duck and covers. So you hear the alarm, you run to a duck and cover, you stay there until you hear the all clear. There was nothing at this building. (laughs) Going inside wasn't a good option. It wasn't going to offer any protection. So I look around and I realize I got nothing. I am completely vulnerable, completely defensive. (laughs) And I go down to the ground, I cover my neck. With my hands, you know, like the California earthquake drills, (laughs) I've learned. I'm there just waiting, completely vulnerable. And I share all of this as an offering for your framework, who you are, like who you are being and what energy you're showing up with, especially when your mind goes into the see, own, fix, or ideally when your mind goes into the see, become curious, break out the framework and get back to what's important. Are your defenses in place because it's not your first rodeo and people can't tell you anything new? Or are you open and curious and even allowing yourself to be vulnerable and not have the answers and invite others in to come closer? Because it definitely affects your experience and your ability to solve whatever you commit to and to solve it in a sustainable way that invites others in. Each episode of this podcast is simply a chapter and a new way of looking inside looking at our habits and our behaviors, looking at the things that we default to, looking at the emotions that come up and asking why, so that we can do less of what creates suffering and more of what creates fulfillment and reinforces the purpose of our life, so that we're spending less time in distraction and more in clarity, more in focus, more in intentional action, so that we're transforming our pain and the lessons from the past into something purposeful, rather than reliving it over and over again. This is who we are, friends. We are intentional. We are ethical. We are purpose-driven. We are seeing the bigger picture for our lives. We're being the person we always wanted to be. We're doing it right now, rather than some elusive time in the future when it's all working, when we have it all figured out. We don't have to have it all figured out. We can be that person now, as imperfect as we are. You know, about a year ago, Big Love and I were talking about what would be the ultimate thing to create, the ultimate experience to create and offer to others. And here it is. Invite a small number of people on an adventure with a chartered plane. And here's here's what they get. 
instructions on where to show up, when to show up, what type of environment we'll be in, so what type of environment to pack for, and the cost. And that's it. And see who comes. And we're going to go do something amazing and enriching and meaningful and purposeful. And we're going to give back and we're going to give to each other. And it seems like it's so far away, right? The ability to create something like that and to pay for it. (laughs) And it turns out it's not. So next week, a small group of us, we're going to gather in a beautiful location. And they said yes, without knowing any of the details and without knowing who was going to be there. They knew the date, the location, the approximate cost, and when to show up. And I realized it's not that far away. I can be that person now. I can invite people into an experience. It can be my first rodeo and I don't need all the answers. And there's going to be flaws and oversights. And I can be open, curious, and vulnerable without seeing myself as weak and without believing that others will see me as weak. I can use the framework for anything that comes up. I can see, become curious, pull out the framework and get back to what's important. Because ultimately, what is important? Answer that question for you right now. What is important ultimately? For me, it's experiencing and sharing all the love, the joy, the delight of living a life of service and contribution. Going back to Dr. Shika Jane, I'll let you know when the episode is released on Trailblazers Changing Medicine podcast. She is living her purpose. And you will hear her clarity, her passion, and her energy. And it's an abundant amount of energy. Her website, it'll be in the episode description in case you want to hear from her sooner. My friends, let's get out of the see, own, fix and into the see, become curious, pull out the framework, get back to what's important and living life without a need for defensiveness living life in an open, curious, and vulnerable way. That's what shows your strength. I'm sending you so much love, and I'll see you next time. Ciao.